the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Under Center Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Mar, and I'm joined by my trusty colleague, Jake Bullhead. Jake, how are you? Not too bad. I don't know how often people call me trusty, but today I'll take it. <laughs> well, you missed out on the uh, preview show or the review show, I should say, on Tuesday. Um, I think maybe was it to do with possibly not want to talk about Giants? Yeah, I could have been a bit salty about that. But as I said before, <laughs> Dara, I am dead inside after this season. So maybe I'll follow back again when the Giants are good at some stage. Of course, it is Thursday night and we are going to be previewing the Thursday night football game between the Steelers and the Vikings a little later on. We're delighted we're going to be speaking to uh, Brooke Pryor from ESPN to help us preview the game. But right now, we are going to be taking a more local look um, at football because we're delighted to have current Dublin Rebels quarterback and offensive coordinator Ty Henry on with us. Ty, it's great to speak to you. How are you? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Good to speak to you as well. Yeah, so if we are doing grand, we're doing grand. We'll let the little uh, rivalry between us aside just for this part of the interview. Maybe not so much of a rivalry at the moment because I think, <laughs> look, listen, you're you're the you're the important. We, I'm only new. It's more just Jake that has the this has the rivalry there at the moment. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> I wouldn't say a rivalry there. You're painting me and Ty up to have a bit of a war going on, but. No, I'm just stirring here. this pot. I want this, I want the fight here. It's the only reason why I want I organize this. Okay. Yeah. I'm secretly I'm wearing no fights. <laughs> I'm wearing an official's uniform underneath this jumper for when it starts now here. <laughs> but we'll get into the chat in two seconds. But before we do, I should mention that this show tonight is brought to you by McGowan's of Pittsburgh. Upstairs at McGowan's is the place to be for your NFL Sundays. McGowan's has everything you'll need. Multiple screens to watch the games and NFL Red Zone on their big projector with some tasty points and some even better food. Drink deals including if a player in the main Sky Sports game score a touchdown, then for the rest of that quarter, it's two for one drink. So whether there's 14 minutes left in the quarter or two minutes left in the quarter, it's still two for one drinks until it ends. Make sure you book your table first Sundays by keeping uh, close to our social channels and McGowan's social channels for where you can book tables and of course thank you to McGowan's for sponsoring the show but Ty let's get into uh, the chat here and you are currently of course like I mentioned the, the offensive coordinator and the quarterback with with the Rebels how have you found it so far? I've loved it Guys have been really good, really receptive to, uh, I mean, it's crazy that I've basically been around two years and we've only uh, had a couple little scrimmages here and games here, but mostly just practice and practice. But we've kind of always consistently had the guys uh, built up a flag team, built up everything. And uh, the guys have just had a great attitude through kind of, you know, hardly any of the fun parts of actual football. We played your flag team in uh, flag last, or the, the flag season just gone. Uh, it was not a good match for the Pirates. We were down two coaches and left with five players, but it was a lot of fun. Yeah, got a bunch of people involved, which is good. Yeah, it was good, actually. You're, uh, I think, I'm not sure if you might have been a new quarterback or something you played towards the end of the game. You had a lot of, uh, looks like a lot of talent coming your way. Yeah, a little Rory. We got them all yeah, up and coming. Hopefully, idea. that's the idea. As many <laughs> fifteen to twenty-year-olds playing as possible. That's it. Um, and uh, 
like you mentioned, it's all, it has been a couple only a couple of years since since you've joined. It's only been a few scrimmages, and like, how have you found it yourself with these last few years with with COVID and and um everything everything here we know ourselves firsthand. Having two league seasons in a row cancelled can be quite demoralising at times. But you know, it's it's still how have you felt that the the way things are organised now, especially with the team, to sort of keep people's spirits up and to keep sort of interest as well. Up? Yeah, I mean, so as a minority sport or, you know, all the sports we're up against, you would really worry when you're not playing games and not having close contacts to, you know, you kind of need that constant filtration of people coming down, trying it out, having off seasons from there, whether it's Australia footy or here, Gaelic and rugby and that kind of thing. Um, so to see the people are still showing up consistently when they really don't have a end goal and they're, you know, paying for their own equipment in a lot of cases and doing that kind of stuff. And showing up even when we're having to stay distance and stuff is, is fantastic that there's this much passion. I think it's, you know, there's a pretty direct tie between us and the States. We're not that far. Time difference, difference. Most people have, you know, I got my family that lives over in New York or Boston or, you know, all these East Coast cities. So uh, people do like it a lot, which is great to see. And they are bought into kind of building it into a good league. And it's got good structures, especially for being, you know, volunteer based. Yeah, and, and taking it back there a little bit then to, to sort of your college days, of course, with Western Colorado University. Interestingly enough, though, you, you weren't always a quarterback. You started as a linebacker. Yeah, so kind of uh, played quarterback since I was you know about that tall, but as kind of got up higher in the system, uh, it just seemed like that was where I kind of had my shot to play in college and kind of get on the field. You kind of see now where guys don't win quarterback jobs, end up transferring a bunch. Um, so kind of got in that situation. They said, you know, what do you, what do you want to play? And I said, yeah, I want to get on the field. Let's go. I'm a football player, not really a quarterback. So uh, that was kind of my mentality through all of that and uh, kind of took a losing program and we've kind of turned it into a really good program there at Western. And so that was, I, lo- I love my five years in college. It's, it's full on full-time job, but it was great. Yeah. And with that, then having to make that positional change to do it like, you obviously throughout throughout your early education and, and early days playing, like you're saying, being a quarterback and, and then having to sort of make that decision that if I want to progress here in college and, and give myself a shot at progressing further, that I'm going to have to make that positional change. How sort of difficult of a decision was it? Or were you able to, like you mentioned, just say, look, listen, I, I just want to get out and play on the field. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things, just skill size, kind of all that stuff I knew. Um, my higher end might be over here at a, at, you know, it was kind of like a linebacker safety kind of thing. Um, then quarterback, you know, can judge back and forth back on that if I made the right call or should I have done this or should I have done that. But I, I still enjoyed it. I think it made me tougher and all around, you know, football player. You see the game from both sides of the ball. And when you're little league, so like from age five, it's not like I'd never not played safety and linebacker. It's kind of like, local league here you got 11 on 11 you got 13 kids so i'd played defense my whole life as well so i was i was plenty ready for it yeah <laughs> do you think uh playing linebacker switching to quarterback kind of that having that knowledge of both sides of the ball helps you as an offensive coordinator uh yeah definitely just because then you have such an, an understanding of you know what they're in as a defense and what what would i not want to call against that or then uh, the same thing when i'm playing quarterback, what would I call as a defense that I know I struggle with the most or, you know, different guys could struggle with. It's just more knowledge, more you're exposed to. So obviously 
makes you better and better, of course. And then sort of coming out of college, then decided to travel around a bit and, you know, starting off there in Australia and played for a multitude of teams there. And what was sort of the setup in for American football in Australia when you got over there? Uh, so Australia is a little, it's fairly developed. It's, it's doing pretty good. I mean, they're, they're kind of a long way, uh, you know, way down there. Um, but yeah, finished the college career. I had been to Australia a lot as a kid. Um, we used to travel over there. My dad was a pilot to fly into Australia. So I uh, knew I loved the country in general. And uh, yeah, so the setup was pretty similar. There's 53 clubs, I believe, in Australia. And they're broken up into state leagues. Uh, so seven states. Um, I was actually just kind of speaking to one of the podcasts down there yeah, for the Capital Territory. But mainly I was between the, Mil- the Victorian League and the Western Australian League. But the best leagues are kind of Western Australia, the Queensland and the uh, New South Wales and the Victorian, those four. Uh, and they each have usually like a Division One and a Division Two. Um, so I started off in the Melbourne one, then kind of made my way across to the to the West Coast for more sunshine. <laughs> definitely right too it's still a question then uh that you you, you seem to, to progress <laughs> further away from the sunshine uh, as your career's gotten on i was doing well. really good for a long time i had australia's <laughs> and brazil's and spain's and then i got, Irish you got a little bit too warm did you <laughs> yeah. so you need to come somewhere yeah. a bit wet somewhere a bit cold <laughs> yeah. yeah but like that like i said you you spent uh i believe was it, uh, three years over playing in australia um too yeah. and you know um what how big of a progression did you see in terms of the game growing from when you started to when you got there and like like you mentioned with the amount of divisions that they have there now and sort of i'm guessing the sort of participation levels went way up too i uh, so we actually ended up starting a club in uh in western australia this guy that i had played against in victoria uh he's probably one of the best australians his name's lake rossiello and so he said, move out to Perth with me. Let's start a club. I'm starting it. He does all the gear for all the clubs down there. And he said, I'm starting it from nothing. We're going to build a men's team, a women's team, a juniors team. We're going to be the best in the country. And that first year we had 94 players. And then we brought in a couple of D1 college imports. And we were kind of off like off like gangbusters. So our clubs made the grand final every single year. Um, my last year down there, we went undefeated and won the kind of the whole national championship thing and they haven't I don't they won the championship last year they lost in the final the year before that but just they built a a great club and kind of built participation up uh the league kind of fell off because it was kind of import dependent um as far as because Americans can get that working holiday visa to go down there and kind of go live their year wow. of you know fun in the sun and so most of these clubs had five, six, seven imports. We actually kind of had to make import rules, kind of like Germany and that have to say, okay, we can only have so many of these guys. We need Australians and other countries down here as well. And so when they closed the borders, it kind of took a little hit this year, just kind of in level of play with uh, not, no, not having that coaching brought over or that extra talent to kind of be out there constantly recruiting and whatnot. But it's still, it's a good, 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 good standard. How do you uh, kind of go about enticing a D1 college athlete to come over and play for your club? And well, maybe it's a lot easier in, in uh, Australia when it's nice and sunny, but how do you go about it? Uh, for that, because there we would keep it, we kept it fully amateur as well, 
kind of the same way that Ireland was. So we kind of like McGowan's, but we were friends with the varsity bar, which is similar setup shows the NFL games say how it, it's an American themed kind of college bar. So how would you like it if you had a couple of guys running around as your busters and let's get them their service of alcohol so, and then just find them a spot and they would work at the varsity bar and then play football and kind of have their year out of school. You know, if they weren't getting, cause in America you hit 22, 23. I know I did. And um, so like my college roommate, all four years is Austin Eckler, the running back for the chargers. And so you see him, he goes here and you're not that much worse, but you don't have anything to go to. So to tell this guy like, Hey, yeah, I know your buddy is for, for us. It was Gardner Minshew. Who's your quarterback in college. I'll come be, come, I'll be your quarterback. I'm not as good as Gardner, but let's see how you do that kind of way, <laughs> you know, have, have a year in Australia, see how you go. Um, just to give these guys an opportunity because there's so many people that still want to play football and there's not as many opportunities actually in America, which is kind of funny. Yeah, and that's it. And it is sort of, I guess, like you're saying, it is sort of NFL or bus for when it comes to a lot of college students and they have to take that decision to, to move abroad. And I guess with the sort of the way the, the CFL is progressing in, up there in Canada and the way the no, Jake, you know, a better. XFL, what was it? the AFL, not the XFL, the, the European league, what was it the European oh, league ELF. of football? ELF, yeah. that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. So the way that's progressing there, there are other avenues for these sort of like you're like you're saying that those sort of D one graduates who are at a high level, but maybe just not hitting that tippy top level needed for the NFL. Yeah, exactly. And so th- that's that's definitely there now, but also just a chance to see the world. I think is a uh, it's underrated how much you learn or you just didn't know about yourself before you before you leave America. My whole world got flipped. Yeah. I see things and do things and things I didn't think about or, you know, words I would have never known. The whole entire kitchen is called the press, that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure you've learned the importance now of the immersion as well over here, making sure uh, yeah. that's not going <laughs> Broke the immersion and we were, we were out. <laughs> uh, but look at then, I, I, uh, your short stints then over in the likes of, of Brazil and Spain there too. And, you know, um, what if you were sort of trying to compare it then um, to sort of how it is um, over here, you know, it, it's like Brazil, I I, I was um, interested when I, when I was reading up for this interview that you did go over there and play because I, I wouldn't have imagined that Brazil would have had the highest interest in, in American football and, would that mean that the facilities maybe not might not have been the best? So actually almost the exact opposite. So oh. they're all tied with the big Brazilian soccer clubs. Um, so oh, Gallo cool. and the Flamingo and all that stuff. So um, a lot of times people, I think they think they're following the, the football club, but they're following the football <laughs> Americano club. And so we would just end up in these giant Brazilian stadiums that would hold 80,000 people and then have, you know, hundred people there. Um, but the, uh, the, it was raw. Brazil's real raw. They started playing on the beaches like 10 years ago and it's a, you know, 240 million people. So it's a giant country and a lot of athletes, just raw athletes who have played a bunch of sports and are um, freaks athletically, but the uh, refinement and kind of attention to detail um, wasn't there with kind of some of the other places that I've 
played, you know, some of the, like the Germany or the European countries that are a little bit, have done it longer, you know, that are 40, 50 years along um, mm. compared to, you know, here, I think we're like 20, 30. So kind of all years, years of people getting in the sport and the number of people that are exposed to it. Yeah. But, and then sort of going over then to, to play in, in Mallorca there now as well, uh, playing for, I think, what was it about six months you were over there in Mallorca? Yeah, so that was like right up until COVID. So our season, we were about two thirds the way through when uh, COVID canceled us, kind of uh, right before, and then kind of had to figure out where to go. But yeah, we were playing on America, wide open offense, nice and sunny every day, throwing the ball every play, uh, and we had we had a ton of in the Spanish league. You can bring in as many uh, other countries as imports. You have your three Americans, so we had three really good American guys. Um, and then Slovenians, Icelandics, Germans that kind of were all playing before there because it's kind of before the German season, before the Irish season. Um, so it kind of provides an opportunity for guys back before Elf to get a couple seasons in a year. So we had tons of talent on that team. Uh, and it was a ton of fun, honestly. Um, it's hard, hard to argue with Mallorca. Football or no football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely, definitely. And and would it, would you possibly have sort of still been playing over there maybe if COVID um, didn't cancel the season? Yeah, so we were in an interesting place because we would have never left Australia because my partner is Irish-Australian. She's both citizenships. And I uh, I had no more, I'd, I'd stayed my, stayed my, I'd kind of gone through all the work visa and this visa and that visa. And you're like, okay, there's no more visas for you. You need to, yeah. you need to go off. And uh, so that's when I was like, all right, let's go on an adventure. Let's go to Brazil. And so I kind of front loaded it where we were all set up to go Brazil to Spain, Spain to Germany. And then once Germany was through, we'd kind of return back to Australia as like our home with her citizenship. And then half three quarters way through Spain, uh, she's one pregnant. So a pregnant and two uh, COVID hits uh, like the same week. We find out both of those informations and, uh, say all right what well, now what <laughs> and like literally like it was like all right season's canceled and i was like all right i guess we're moving to ireland because <laughs> we can't fly into australia and so we i didn't ever knew thought about ireland and then was moving there like the next day yeah so that was good <laughs> well you have well i guess it's a sort of a happy adjustment then you could say to to, to like to plans that were previously made oh yeah 100 percent. and then just to kind of find that they uh we, i mean we're literally like doing quick googles while we're in there like yeah do they have a league there oh yeah there's teams okay dublin okay what's near what's near you all right perfect like if we end up in dublin they speak english everything's <laughs> good I, I thought it was going to rain 100 times more than it does today didn't do well for it but from what you get told you know from over there in the states about ireland i pictured it raining every day and so uh, it's been good. And the accents I thought would be way more intense, but it's 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 pretty easy to understand, pretty easy to catch on around here. That's it. You are getting, you're definitely getting used to it. Maybe, uh, it's especially if you can understand the accents, then yeah, I think you're a pretty well, much an adoptive Irish person. The there, true right? test is if you can yeah. understand someone from Donegal or somewhere with a really heavy accent. Yeah, oh, you get yeah, a Donegal some... and a Kerry come in and two opposite sides, and then you try to, if you can figure those out, you won. <laughs> definitely definitely for sure um but 
then looking ahead then towards hopefully next year when um the season can get back up and running of course with with the rebels itself and you know i'm guessing um preparations have already um well underway for for the season yeah so just kind of continuing just we've kind of been building this whole time so just kind of keep building on what we've already kind of established and kind of mostly just have it be a full kind of culture thing of uh kind of a just constant recruitment and constant making sure people feel welcomed. And a lot of times these football leagues get real clicky or something like that, where it's such a niche sport. And then one person gets in charge of the niche sport. And then you have 10 people that could have been amazing, but because it got clicky off, they went um, or they switched clubs or everyone's leaving clubs 10 times, or there's all this little drama and a little tiny community. Um, Whereas if you realize like, no, we're tiny, we need to, open our doors to anything, anything that'll come in and be receptive and just teach the sport, just teach the sport in a nice way. Like they don't know what they're doing, but some of them might learn. And you might have a kid that you think he's a two out of 10. And in a year, he's a, he's a 10 out of 10. He's a freak. Um, Cause there's a ton of talent, especially, you know, in some of these places I'll tell people and I'll be like, no, my best receiver in Spain was Slovakian and my best receiver down in Australia. No, it's just some random kid we found on the side of the road in Australia who, I just looked at it and was like, all right, you, you're meant for this. So you just never kind of know um, yeah. who was born in the wrong country, but definitely is great at this sport. So that's so kind of our plan. That's our plan. <laughs> tentatively. Ty, have you ever, have you given any thought or anything towards the European League of Football? I know they have the, there's some strict rules in that, but maybe even involving the coaching or anything like that? Uh, so like I, I did, talk to kind of some of the teams kind of pre and post and I was having a bunch of those uh just kind of little messages here and there but I think end of the day I think I would just rather kind of uh be a country I'm kind of more living in rather than continuing to kind of chase football it's maybe not a place we feel as at home in so with the kids kind of I, I definitely think Ireland would be a better fit so if we start one in Ireland. That's great. But otherwise, uh, I don't think Elf. Um, but I'm glad they're doing it overall. But yeah, I think it actually was looked at. I watched some of the games this year. It looked fantastic for like kind of an early league. It looked great. Yeah, the production value and the kind of all that. Uh, I try, you know, because I, I did go over to Germany this fall to try to see if I could, you know, could, could I just go in on weekends? Could I do this? Do we want to go to a another country in Europe where we take football a little more serious and have the family and stuff, but it just didn't seem worth it. Kind of seemed more worth it to put family first and have family around for the kids and stuff and then build football to that standard rather than kind of go the opposite way around. Cause I don't think, I think we think we're farther behind in Ireland, especially like when you go to national team and stuff like that, where every, like guys are like, Oh, we're, you know, we're not that great of a country in Europe or this or that. And it's like, no, we, we kind of are like, we're pretty good. Like there's some decent talent here. There's a lot of, for how, you know, if you just look at the population and the number of clubs and that kind of thing and number of people playing flag, that it's a really great starting point, building point. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's it. We have seen some, some guys recently sort of try and making moves over, over to America. I think the one that comes to mind is, was a tag leader who's gone over and he's played in the, the spring league over in America. And he played a little bit in, the elf league too and um i believe because um we were speaking just before we came on air about uh, you had a game last week against the the crusaders the kildare kildare crusaders 
and they actually have someone that is, I think, going over to college in America too. So it's the start of something. And, and like you were mentioning, as the league sort of gets better and there's more participation in it here, that then we could see more avenues for sort of the, the best players that we have available to sort of make that move over, if it is over to the Elf League or maybe even to college in America. Yeah, definitely. It's all about just building pathways. And even the fact that we have the structure built in with the levels of our own league, um, we're not going to run into forfeits or we're not going to run into a guy stuck in a league that he's, you know, way too good for, can't grow into a role or a place where, you know, if it's a young kid that's 19, he shouldn't be stuck on this team where he can't get snaps. He should, you know, go be the quarterback of this team and then be able to kind of progress, which is fantastic. And then we've got the elf there. We've got the other countries right next door that all have good options or hopefully get kids over to the States because it's a big world with the internet now that uh, especially you see with all these different recruiting sites for the States now that uh, they'll find them. They're always looking. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And look, this in, if you send some good words down to uh, Western Colorado, then maybe they might have a look at some of the Rebels <laughs> players then in the future then too. We'll see. <laughs> that was the idea. I found some of these guys too late. We had some of these kids that are like 19, 20 that I said, if I would have found you like three years ago, we could have done something, but instead you're stuck with me. <laughs> uh, sure, I'm sure they're not complaining anyway. Um, but listen, Ty, it's been so good to speak to you today. I really appreciate it. But if there's anyone there around this sort of area that would be interested in getting involved in football, maybe close to sort of obviously where the, where the Rebels train, sort of where, where do they train and, and how can they get in sort of in contact with anyone if they want to sort of try out? Yep, so we're at De La Salle uh, Rugby Football Club in Palmerstown, I believe, or Rathfarnham, exit 14 off the M50. Um, so just South Dublin there, or, you know, that's kind of, that's, that's my geography as good as I can do. Send a message, Facebook page, Instagram, the uh, we got the email, or just message me directly, and uh, we'll be going kind of every Sunday and Wednesday, kind of as soon as the new year hits. Um, we got a couple games set up for February, one in February and one in, I think, two in February, actually. And then kind of hopefully the league should start, I think, in March, I believe, if we're all, all systems go. So it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was in March, April or something like that. We're hoping to sort of get the ball rolling again for sure. But listen, like I said, it's been so great to speak to you and hopefully um, things go well and you have a great Christmas and hopefully it's a successful season if we get it next year. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, but when we come back, like I said, we're going to uh, be previewing the Thursday night football game between the Steelers and the Vikings with Brooke Pryor from ESPN. And you're welcome back to the Under Center podcast. We are previewing the Thursday night football game. Of course, the Steelers traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. And we are delighted to be joined by Brooke Pryor from ESPN to help us preview things on the Steelers side of things. Brooke, it's so good to speak to you. How are you? I am good. I am excited to be in Minnesota. Not excited uh, for the snow that's on the ground and the more that's coming tomorrow, but like you said, it it is in a dome, so I'm not going to be impacted during the game. I just might freeze into like a woolly mammoth on my way back to the car. A couple of hot whiskeys might help the, the journey back. <laughs> Hopefully the hotel bar is open late enough, so when I get back, I can just warm right back up. 
Well, so that's how we get through the, them over here. But I, I think over there might be a little colder than it is here at the moment. So um, maybe uh, maybe a second hot whiskey, if possible. <laughs> we'll get, try and get the order in. Speak nice to maybe the, the night manager and say, look, listen, I'm working. I've been waiting I need... on me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly but we're here to talk a bit of football and um we are going to preview obviously like i said the Steelers side of things and it's kind of been a up and down season so far for the Steelers. six five and one after their win at the weekend against the ravens and what you could probably call it a a, a typical afc north low scoring beat them up matchup yeah that's this Steelers team is so strange because and, and the Ravens team was weird too, because this year's Ravens team kind of felt a lot like last year's Steeler team where they were undefeated for so long, but they had very obvious glaring faults and yet they kept winning the Ravens this year, their biggest issue were all the injuries and Lamar Jackson hasn't been playing well. And it seems like that finally caught up to them against the Steelers, but the Steelers are a weird team in and of themselves because they win against the Bills to start the season. That seems like it's, you know, a sign that, oh, this team is going to be fine. They're going to be better than we thought. But then they go on that skid. They lose to the Raiders. They lose to the Packers. They lose to the Bengals. And it was kind of like, wait a minute. Are they who we thought they were? Like, what? And it's been kind of like that all season. Like, you think you have a beat on how this team is. And I've gotten ready to write so many, this is where the Steelers went wrong. This is why they're in decline. It's, you know, it's Ben. It's not being able to pay guys around him. The Steeler way is going away. And then they beat the Ravens. And I have to email my editor and say, uh, just kidding. This team is still very much alive in the AFC and in the AFC North because the division is so wide open. So I think that this team they're going to go as far as <clears throat> as the supporting cast around Ben takes them. Like Ben, obviously a very important part of this team, but if the offensive line isn't good and can't protect him and can't get the run game going, nothing's going to work. If the receivers can't make the adjustments on the balls that he's throwing, it's not going to work. I mean, Ben is Ben is the biggest, I think, problem offensively, but everybody around him has to kind of figure out a way to manage what he can and can't do right now. And then defensively, I mean, it, TJ Watt is playing out of his mind. He leads the league with 16 sacks, three and a half against Lamar Jackson is huge in keeping Jackson from able, from being able to connect with Mark Andrews on that two point conversion for the Steelers to win the game. I mean, TJ Watt's playing out of his mind, but the Steelers have had injury issues on the defense and, they haven't had stuff on to it all year. Minka Fitzpatrick has missed games with COVID, missed a game with COVID. Joe Hayden is still out dealing with a midfoot sprain. Cam Hayward has been in there every single game and is having a Pro Bowl season, but he can't do it all by himself. And then at inside linebacker, you have Devin Bush, who still doesn't look like maybe he's mentally back from the ACL tear. So this team has really good pieces. I mean, I haven't even said, I don't think I said Nashi Harris's name, which is crazy because he is a really high-impact rookie, but it, they're just having trouble bringing it all together consistently. And when it works, it works really well. I mean, the second half against the Ravens, they're able to do a lot of no huddle on the offense and just it looked like it ran so much smoother. And then the defensive side, they're able to really slow the Ravens, what the Ravens are trying to do. But, you know, it it is so inconsistent. You never know what you're going to get. They have yet, I feel like, 
to really go on a run that says this is a playoff team. Yeah, and especially with that game on on Sunday as well that I noticed that what the Raven or the Steelers defense did quite well was they put the Ravens in a lot of third and long situations, which meant that they it probably it did force Lamar to throw the ball maybe more than he probably would have wanted to and gave that defensive line the chance to just bull rush him as much as they can, which obviously led to I believe it was seven sacks in mm-hmm. the end uh, for the Steelers uh, defensive line. Yeah, the Cam Hayward was asked after the game, like, what do you think of, of the way that your defensive line played? And he could not have been more complimentary. And that's something that I think this defense hasn't been able to do in the last couple of weeks because they've been playing from a deficit early on. The offense hasn't been able to answer after they've given up a couple quick scores. And so then the other team can just run the ball and they're they're not able to kind of rush at the quarterback unabated just because of these game situations. On the flip side, it's the same reason why the Steelers run game hasn't been very effective recently, because again, they're playing from behind. So they're not run, they don't want to run the ball as much. They're trying to catch up and, and get back in the game. Um, but yeah, I, I think that this defensive line what TJ Watt did was really impressive, but I think Chris Wormley just was playing so well against his former team. He's a guy that you didn't really know what kind of a role he was going to have on this team. Um, kind of felt like he was going to be secondary backup to Stefan Tuitt, um, Tyson Alulu. I mean, he, he's not really a nose, but it felt like the Steelers had a pretty solid group of starters with Tuitt, Hayward, and Alulu, and now. Alulu is out uh, with that broken ankle from, I think, week two. And Tuit has still not returned from his knee surgery. So Chris Wormley really had to step up early. And he's been consistent. He's been very under the radar. But he was just really good at finishing things on Sunday night. And I, I think it also helped that they were playing the Ravens, his former team that traded him away. And Mike Tomlin said, yeah, whenever – we have a guy that's facing a former team, especially in this case. He said, I told Wormley before the game, I said, when a team trades you to a division team that tells you what they think of you. And I think that really fired him up. So this is the, the thing for him and really the Steelers as a whole is now going into this Thursday night game, understanding there isn't quite the same fire that comes with a rivalry game. It's on a short week, but you still have to try to carry the momentum as if you are playing an AFC North team, so there isn't a big letdown after an emotional win like that. Yeah, and you mentioned there about about the offense briefly and and their struggles to sort of play from behind in a deficit. It has been a, a difficult season for the offense. Just looking earlier on today, that they've only scored over thirty points in one game, and that was against the Chargers, which actually they they ended up losing as well. And with the reports that came out last week of uh, Big Ben, who's going to probably hang up the uh, the cleats at the end of the year. And how do you see the Steelers' offense progressing forward then now? Do you think maybe next season will be a lot more reliant on um, Najee Harris? Um, or and do you think that possibly we'll be looking at maybe Mason Rudolph? Or will the Steelers maybe look in the draft where it's not offering, a, there's not a lot of great selections in the draft, but and also maybe maybe they could get involved in the expected trades, you could say, Mm -hmm. of the likes of Wilson, Rogers, or or Watson. Yeah, well, so I think 
The key for the Steelers offense going forward for the rest of this season is Ben is at his best when they're in a no huddle, when he's calling the shots. And it's been this way for a long time. But I mean, even last year when the offense was really stagnant and not moving, you saw them having success when he was doing what he called drawing up plays in the dirt, calling audibles of the line of scrimmage. He would literally go up to receivers and say, okay, you run this way, you run this way. And like, I mean, quite literally draw it up. I mean, in the turf and the dirt, whatever you want to call it, but he is much better when he is playing instinctually like that. And I think that you can just see the offense responds better when they're at a tempo. It keeps, it keeps the defenses from getting set. And part of the problem early on is that the team couldn't quite do as much no huddle as he wanted because the offensive line is really young. They're not all on the same page. The guys around him are young too, like Najee Harris. Um, but I think that at this point in the season, the difference in the first and the second half uh, last week against the Ravens was that no huddle up-tempo offense. They did the same thing in the Chargers in the fourth quarter. You just kind of have to let go of the reins and let Ben call it. And that's really tough for an offensive coordinator, especially I think someone like Matt Canada who is new and wants to make a mark. And he has a lot of really great concepts that you're not, that you see in spurts in the NFL, but it was really effective in the college game with, the misdirection and some of the jet sweeps and just the motion. And I think that we're going to see more of that in the Steelers offense next year, but this year, whether it's been not being able to execute some of those concepts just because of his age, his lack of mobility, the arm strength, not being there. I, you almost want to say, Matt, this is great. Can you just hold on to it for next year? Because yeah, you need to give Ben maybe a, a better menu of plays to do no huddle and just, let him do his thing and be there in case he needs something. But for the most part, let him do it. Because even Deontay Johnson said after the game, like he's just more comfortable in a no huddle. And he said, you can tell everybody else is more comfortable and it's just more effective. But I, I do think that this is going to be his last season in Pittsburgh. Um, that was kind of the assumption going into the season, especially when they restructure the contract the way that they did had just one more year with avoidable years on the back end. Um, Art Rooney II said, you know, hey, we're not we're not saying it's set in stone that he's not coming back, but it it kind of felt like all year nobody wanted to talk about it because maybe Ben comes back and he has this great season and the elbow looks good and it turns out he's more mobile than we thought and he doesn't look like he's 39, but he looks kind of like he's like 49. It's just it's very obvious that he's played 18 years and he had I mean, he, he is a future Hall of Famer, but he is not playing like a Hall, a Hall of Fame level right now because of his age and because of all of the hits. I mean, he is so injured. It feels like every season he gets banged up. This year he's had the shoulder, the pec. Um, he said that his shoulder is still giving him some trouble. He's had a hip injury, but I it does feel like that's kind of the inevitable thing, although Still, you ask guys about it, and they're like, well, we're not really talking about it. Like, we're going to leave it between Ben and I. And uh, Ben was asked about it post-game, and he said, well, he, he was asked, uh, are the reports true that you're telling everyone that this is your last five games? And he said, well, I'm not telling everyone. But the report was actually that he's telling some former teammates and some people in the front office. And so I feel like it was very much – it. He didn't, he didn't confirm the, the report, but he certainly didn't deny it. And so I think that that's just the feeling in Pittsburgh is no one expects him to be back next season, which, like you mentioned, 
um, really opens the door wide open for a number of quarterback possibilities. Um, I spent a couple hours Saturday afternoon after that news came out that he, that this was likely the last five games, which is expected, but still when there's a news story, all of a sudden it kind of spurs into motion. We should put this list together. And the Steelers have a ton of cap space going into next year, a team that has been in cap hell for definitely this last year because of COVID dropping the salary cap and the way that they structure contracts. I mean, they were really, really hamstrung this season, but next season they're going to have, I think over 45, 47 million, maybe even more with the new TV deals, really bumping that salary cap up um, and the, the league's recovery from COVID. Everything is kind of back where it was prior to that. Um, the Steelers are certainly capable of, they have, they have the money to trade for an Aaron Rodgers, a Russell Wilson. Um, Derek Carr even has a year left on his contract. Kirk Cousins, same thing, but Kirk has $35 million guaranteed. And I, I don't know that the Steelers want to pay $35 million for Kirk Cousins if Russell Wilson is available or Aaron Rodgers is available. Um, I, I don't know that it, the Steelers are going to be able to pull off Rodgers because I think he's going to have a lot of options on the trade market. But I think Russell Wilson is definitely a real possibility because he is unhappy in Seattle, Pittsburgh, if they can plug in a good veteran quarterback, they can skip the rebuild altogether because, like I said, they have pieces like a Najee Harris, a Pat Fryermuth, um, Deontay Johnson has another year left on his contract. Defensively, you have Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Watt. I mean, they have the foundation there. They just need a quarterback that is better than Ben Roethlisberger, honestly, um, to, to kind of rejuvenate this team. And – if they don't want to do that, there is Mason Rudolph. I, at this point, I don't get the sense that he is the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger. We've seen him play. It's he's fine. He's serviceable, but I kind of compare him to like a Toyota Camry. Like he'll get you from point A to point B and, and it's going to be fine and it's going to be solid, but it's nothing flashy for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They need more than that. They had Ben Roethlisberger. Like they had, I, I don't want to say that Ben is a Lamborghini because Patrick Mahomes is like a Lamborghini, but they had like a Range Rover. I mean, and, and it was really flashy and really good. It broke down sometimes, but it was still a good, cool car, premium car. Um, and I think that they would like to replace that with another version of that. But there's also the draft. Um, and the Steelers, I, I think right now ESPN's FPI projects them to have either the 13th or 14th pick. There's going to be a premium on quarterbacks because there aren't very many. Um, and there are quarterback needy teams ahead of the Steelers like the Falcons. Um, but I think if the Steelers could pull it off, maybe they draft a guy like Kenny Pickett who trains at the same facility, Pitt and the Steelers share a sports complex. So they let Dan Marino, another Pitt product, get away in 1983. And they didn't have an heir to Terry Bradshaw and they kind of wandered just the quarterback desert for a long time until Ben Roethlisberger came in. So do they learn from that mistake and say, okay, you know what? We really like to draft and develop our own guys. This is our, our MO as an organization. So we're going to do that with Kenny Pickett. Uh, he, he's not from Pittsburgh, but he's been here a long time. Keep a kind of an, an adopted hometown kid in town and make him be the future. Or there's guys like Sam Howell available, Matt uh, Corral, um, the kid at Nevada, like there are definitely options. 
And I think that it just depends on how long the Steelers want this rebuild to take. How much more does Mike Tomlin want to invest in uh, in either building a new quarterback or is he done with that? He lived that life before developing other young talent and he would like to win a Super Bowl and he would like to win it now. And so they go out and get a veteran guy. But I mean, sky's really the limit. Their, their options are, are endless. Brooke, I had a question there about a couple of guys on the offensive side. You mentioned uh, Deontay Johnson, who I'm a huge fan of, and also his counterpart, Chase Claypool. But I really liked uh, Deontay Johnson. I think he has 914 yards on the season so far. He looks great. Do you think he's kind of improved along the season, especially with Juju missing some time? Obviously, he's out for the season. But does that uh, elevate Johnson up to kind of the next level? Because he looks great. Yeah, I actually, on my flight to Minnesota this morning, I was putting together a story on Deontay Johnson because I think that he is playing. He's not only the Steelers top receiver, he's one of those elite wide receiver ones. I mean, that is how he's playing right now. And a big part is just his maturity on and off field. I mean, this is a guy who last year gets benched almost exactly a year ago against Buffalo when he had those two drops in the first quarter, got benched for the rest of the first half. He led the league in drops. He comes back and against the Ravens, he dropped a sure thing touchdown in the first half and came back and played even better in the second and had those two touchdowns. He's been doing things like he catches tennis balls all the time. He bought a tennis ball machine for his house in the offseason to train. And he said, like, the surface area of a tennis ball is so much smaller. So if you can catch that and do it in the same angles as a football, when you go to catch a football, it's so much easier. Um, and he does things like that. He also tapes up he will get like the scouting report of whoever's secondary. So like the Vikings this week. And he has a list of like every corner safety. And he also has their backups, their tendencies, and he tapes it up in his locker so that every day when he goes into the facility and he's in the locker room, he's looking at it. He's memorizing it. He knows their tendencies and things like that pay off when against the Ravens on that five yard touchdown, uh, he, knew that Marlon Humphrey liked to play over top in that situation, that he was going to be in man. That was that was just how he plays. And he and Pat Fryermuth, I think, ran a pick route. And his route was so good. I mean, the misdirection, he just planted his foot and pivoted, shook Humphrey off, and, like, in there, no problem. I mean, it. he is just – he's showing that he's a really smart player. And I don't think that we were seeing that the first two years. He just wasn't – preparing in the same way it wasn't having the same on-field um translation but he's so good there his speed his separation I think is really impressive and I actually I was talking to Juju yesterday and I said you know is it hard to see Deontay Johnson with Ben because he kept talking about like oh I can just he Deontay's the number one receiver I see his relationship with Ben Roethlisberger like he has that connection I was like well does it hurt you to see another receiver have that connection with your quarterback? Like that was you. Like, does it feel like you're seeing like your ex-girlfriend with a new guy? And he was like, yeah, Deontay is like Ben's girlfriend, but it's okay. Cause Ben has a lot of girlfriends. Like I was his girlfriend. Like maybe Ben will come back next year and he can have two girlfriends, but it's, <laughs> which only like only Juju would continue that comparison. But I just thought that it, it shows how much the other players respect him and are really impressed with his development. I think praise like that from Juju, a guy that like, yeah, he has every right to kind of be 
frustrated that he can't be out there and playing because of that shoulder injury, but he, everybody on the team really rallies behind Deontay. He's a quiet guy, but he leads by example and he's, he's breaking out. And I think in line for a big payday, uh, whenever his contract comes up or if the Steelers choose to extend him uh, this next season. You would have yeah. to believe they do. He, he's fantastic. So, No, definitely. Definitely. Um, looking ahead, though, to Thursday's game, um, and the Vikings are coming off, you know, a very surprising and, and hurt, hurtful defeat against the Lions. Um, and, and the defense gave up that pretty I, I'm gonna say that it was a really bad like touchdown drive to, to end the game. Um I'm sure it, it is a defense that like the likes of Johnson and, and Claypool, especially that secondary that they're gonna look at and if Big Ben can get the time in the pocket that he wants and he can be accurate throwing, it, it could be a big game in store for, for some of these wideouts. Yeah, I, I think absolutely that's the case. I mean I, I'm interested to see how effective Patrick Peterson is. He's been activated off the COVID list. Deontay mentioned him first thing. But beyond that, I they don't have the same skill players at uh, in the secondary that they've faced earlier. Um, I mean, I know the Ravens were depleted, but still, I mean, Marlon Humphrey is one of the best corners in the league, and Deontay Johnson had no problem with him. Um, I think that the Steelers, they badly need a game where they can just constantly exploit the secondary and it doesn't take until the fourth quarter to finally get something going. And I think if they're doing this no huddle thing all game, then the the Vikings defense, especially on a shore week coming off the Lions loss, I think it's really going to throw them for a loop. So I, the biggest thing though, too, is the Steelers offensive line, which they are down to, I believe their fourth starter at left guard. Um, has got to protect Ben because that pass rush, I know that the, the Vikings like to blitz. They, ben is not mobile. The offensive line, which played better uh, when John LeGlue went in after B.J. Finney went out with a back injury, um, looked a lot better. If they can protect him, then I think it's going to be a really good game for, this, for the Steelers passing game. Yeah, and then flipping it over to the other side of the ball um, with this um... – Vikings offense because they like the Steelers have some good wideouts now. I'm not sure yet about the the status of Adam Thielen. I think he has a, a high ankle sprain, so if he does, it probably means he's out. And um, they're all already missing Dalvin Cook, so a lot is going to be on the shoulders uh, of Justin Jefferson. And like you mentioned with with Joe Hayden, still, um, it's still uh, he didn't practice. I believe this week. I know there are only walkthroughs, nope. but if there was practices, he wouldn't have practiced. So, um, there is some uh, injuries there in the backfield that so they'll have to keep an eye on Jefferson with. Yeah, and you know you hope that the the last game they made an adjustment in their replacement for Hayden. It had been James Pierre, and he was getting burned a lot. I mean that the Bengals game was atrocious. I don't remember how many touchdowns he had scored on him, but he looked not very good at all. Um, and then they went with a switch last week and Akella Witherspoon started in that spot. And he's a guy that had a really rough start early on. He wasn't active very often. He finally gets activated against the Raiders and I think gave up a long touchdown to Henry Ruggs. And it was, it was really bad. And he then wasn't active for, I mean, I think until maybe a week or two ago, he finally started to be active again. And, but I mean, it, it took so long that on game days when he's inactive, you're looking, you're like, they traded for this guy. In the beginning of the season, why would you trade away an asset for a guy that just sits on your bench? 
this is why when they figure out that James Pierre can't handle the load, um, Witherspoon comes in and he had a really good game uh, last week against the Ravens. But the Steelers, I think, have to be wary of Jefferson because they have let some of the other team's wide receiver ones really exploit them and take the top off of their defense. Um, the Bengals did it in their first matchup with Jamar Chase. Um, I'm blanking on some of the other guys, but I just have burned in my mind where it feels like for a long time, the Steelers are able to kind of keep a lid on things and then they give up that one big play and it kind of cracks the whole thing wide open. Uh, so obviously, yeah, keeping Justin Jefferson in check is huge, but also the run game. I mean, they did a better job against the Ravens managing the run game. Um, it kind of reminded me of the Browns game where they really limited Nick Chubb and those guys. And I know that the Ravens are really injured, but still they, there have been other games where playing against backups, they make them all look like Adrian Peterson from, you know, six, seven years ago. And I think that the Steelers run defense has just been so inconsistent, but they got Montrevis Adams at nose tackle. He played well last week. Devin Bush looked a little bit better, but Robert Spillane is still probably going to be out with a knee injury. He had COVID. He's off the COVID list, but he injured his knee. Um, and I think that that's going to end up holding him out, but they just have got to wrap up and tackle better. And it doesn't matter if Dalvin Cook isn't in there. They could make Matson look like Dalvin Cook if they play the run the way that they have prior to that Ravens game. Yeah, and sort of looking ahead then for the rest of the year after that, they are six and five, the third in the division. It is so tight there with um the other teams. After this, they they have a depleted Titan side at home. Then they head over to play the Chiefs, who have their own issues on offense at the moment. And then you've got two divisional games to finish up, a home to the Browns and then away to the Ravens. Like I mentioned, do you think that the uh, the Steelers are going to make it in the playoffs, possibly in a wildcard position? I, If you'd asked me this question a week ago, I would have said no. I think I'm still leaning no, but I'm much more 50-50 at this point just because they have an ability to just rise from the grave as soon as you're ready to bury them. They, like, stick the hand out of the grave, like, no, I'm here. <laughs> um, it's just I, – and I think the rest of the, the division, because of how up and down they are, I think the Bengals are the most complete and probably best team in the division. The Ravens um, – have some major flaws the Browns clearly have flaws the Steelers have beaten each of those teams um who knows where they'll be by the end of the season I mean closing out against the Ravens might actually really work to their favor because it, like who are they going to have left playing for the team that week is it just going to be all practice guys for the Ravens I mean they just are they have so many injuries um but I think that Chiefs game is going to be really really tough and that I think is kind of the bellwether of if this Chiefs offense is still playing the way that it is, bodes really well for the Steelers defense. Um, and I mean, the, the Chiefs defense has played better, but they clearly have some flaws. Um, if, if they can, if the Steelers can beat the Chiefs, then I think they make the playoffs. But I mean, honestly, it's so wide open that they could lose they could lose this game they could lose to the titans and then they could win out and i would still like i just have no idea this the afc north is so weird this year and the steelers 
are super, super weird. So at least they keep things interesting. They keep you wanting to watch their games every single week because you have no idea what way it's going to go. It's a lot better than being a Giants fan when you know where almost every <laughs> game is going to go. <laughs> Brooke, coming to Thursday night, can you give me a score prediction or at least a, a win or loss prediction for the Steelers? Oh, man. I'm going to go... I think... And and I'm totally fine like and being all being wrong, but I think I'm gonna go Vikings twenty one Steelers seventeen. I just I'm not totally convinced that they can carry the momentum from Thursday because we've seen games like this before where where it feels like okay this is a turning point and then they end up in a in a slide again. So I think the Vikings might be more motivated coming off of a loss. Um, and they have lost a lot of close games. So you wonder if this is the week that they finally break through on a short week, but honestly, we could get in there and the Steelers could go up 17, nothing in the first quarter. And I would say, well, that's about par for the course. But at this point, I feel like the Vikings are going to win a close one. Uh, I, I don't know. I think I might be leaning Steelers a little bit on this one, but I'm going to have to look into it a little bit more. <laughs> Now I've given you something something to think about. So probably just do the exact opposite of what I picked. It's how my most of my predictions have gone this year. Yeah, we'll see. It it all depends on like you were saying how the the Vikings are going to bounce back after that win. I'm sure there was a lot of, you know, honest conversations held in in that building there on Monday after that game. Um, especially because you never want to be that team that lo- that's the only one to lose to the winless team. You never want to be that team. But unfortunately, the Vikings are on that side. Steelers were almost that side too, though. They they drew with they the, were. the in the finishing tie, yeah. Yeah, they, <laughs> the Steelers are lucky because they have the built-in excuse of, oh, well, Ben wasn't playing. And for all the deficiencies that Ben has because of his physical limitations, he can still lead a game-winning drive and a comeback win better than... 80%, maybe 90% of the quarterbacks in the league right now because of his experience. So you're they have a much better chance of winning that game if Ben Roethlisberger is playing, but he wasn't. So the Steelers can say, well, yeah, we, we only tied the Vikings, but we didn't have our quarterback, so it doesn't count, right? Uh, the Vikings don't – I mean, they didn't have Dalvin Cook and Thielen sprained his ankle, but it's not quite the same as losing your franchise quarterback. No, definitely not, definitely not. But listen, Brooke, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. We really, really appreciate it. And before we do let you go, for anyone interested, where can they uh, read your work? Uh, I'm on Twitter at BE Prior and on uh, ESPN at ESPN.com underneath the Steelers tab. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. It's been it's been great speaking to you and um, hopefully we can have you again on uh, in the offseason, perhaps when Uh the Steelers make their playoffs. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely thanks guys thanks, no bro. problem at all no problem at all and that's where we're going to wrap up this edition of the show if you are staying up to watch the game we hope you enjoy it if not maybe catch it the highlights in the morning um jake as always thank you thanks very much and uh to, before we go make sure you're following us on our social platforms fa- uh, twitter and instagram at under center pod facebook.com forward slash under center pod uh, youtube under center podcast and search the same thing when you're looking for the audio side of the podcasts under center podcast that's where you'll find all of our shows so you can be kept up to date when they are released but like i said that is all the time we have for this week uh stay safe and we will see you soon